0: look, we would expect in a campaign there's going to be a lot of talk about economic policy. I mean, you know, we should feel ripped off if, if we don't get that in an election campaign. But what's the difference between economic and monetary policy? And, and do we want the um, party leaders weighing in on the latter? I mean, in Canada, the Bank of Canada deals with monetary policy. They operate at arm's length from government, but under a mandate set by government. Uh, So there are some economic issues I want to get into. There's been some talk about the GST on the campaign trail, job creation. But obviously, inflation has been a focus. And and here's where maybe we find ourselves in that gray area between economic and monetary policy. What's causing inflation? To what extent should we be concerned about inflation? And what kind of response does that beg from government? I mean, inflation targets are a part of the Bank of Canada's mandate and whoever the next government is they're going to have to deal with that. So anyway, joining us uh, to talk more about some of these issues, I'm very pleased to welcome to the program here this morning, Trevor Toome, Associate Professor of Economics, University of Calgary, also Research Fellow at the School of Public Policy at the U of C. Trevor, good morning, welcome to the program. Good morning, thanks for having me. Uh, So, I mean, as an economist, how do you distinguish or explain the difference between economic policy and and monetary policy, first of all?
1: It's an interesting question, because monetary policy is, of course, a type of of economic policy, a very important type. So I like to distinguish fiscal policy from monetary policy mainly. And Fiscal policy is the taxing decisions, the spending decisions of government, like of cabinet, of the politicians that we elect, where monetary policy is interest rate policies set by the central bank. They do other activities as well, but their goal is to maintain inflation between 1 and 3 percent. And where kind of the lines blur here is that monetary policy on a a day-to-day basis, like how many bonds to purchase, what should interest rates be uh, next month, those decisions are taken by appointed officials at the Bank of Canada, not politicians. But every five years, the Bank of Canada and the government, through the Minister of Finance, agree on what the mandate is. And this year is when that mandate gets renewed. So it's very much here a, a joint decision between government that sets the goal and then the Bank of Canada goes off and executes it.
0: Right. So in terms of inflation targets, it's government that, that decides on, on what that mandate should mm-hmm. be, what, what the objective is.
1: Yeah, and for about the past 30 years, we have agreed that this mandate, and we continue to renew it every five years, is to target inflation of between 1% and 3%, so low and stable. And historically, the bank has been very successful at ensuring that inflation rates stay within that bound. And the pandemic, those caused some challenges, not not just here, but in many countries around the world. So inflation in June and July in the United States, for example, uh, exceeded 5%. And so in Canada, when ours gets to 3.7, that is above the target range. And I guess we'll see whether it's just a a transitory phenomenon, as I I think it is and what the bank thinks it is, or if it's uh, a sign of something different that we're going into for the next little while.
0: Right It's interesting because obviously economic growth can can contribute to to inflation, and so in a sense, maybe it's it's a good problem to have, but we're also seeing at the moment I mean a lot of supply issues when it comes to technology, mm-hmm. potentially shortages uh, you know in in terms of food as a result of you know, drought conditions, et cetera. So those aren't good problems to have so how do we how do we assess the reasons for you know a, a certain level of inflation at any given point
1: like yeah. That? So, it's tough to know in real time what precisely is behind any any given month. I mean, mechanically, what we're seeing in Canada is a big chunk of the inflation that we saw in July of 3.7 is due to very high gasoline prices, which are over 30% above where they were last year. And that, that's really driven by oil prices globally being much higher now than they were last year. So, on the one hand, I'm... I'm Here in Alberta, as you are, that's great keep oil prices Mm -hmm. high, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, But that does contribute to uh, higher gasoline, higher energy prices, and therefore, inflation. But then on other goods, we're coming out of the pandemic people are spending money going back into activities that were withheld uh, through 2020. And some businesses, manufacturers in many areas are having trouble keeping up, scaling up production because there are these supply chain bottlenecks. and And that when demand increases and supply does not, price increases is kind of a natural result. And that's why it might be transitory. Eventually, you know, businesses will get their supply chains working smoothly again, and then we would see these price pressures ease.
0: You had the, an interesting graph uh, on, on your Twitter page the other day looking at the trajectory of the consumer price index. And just just to clarify for people, I mean, we're, we're kind of talking about the same thing here in terms of increases in the consumer price index and inflation, but I guess technically are, are these different things.
1: Yeah. So, inflation as a concept is really about the price of everything rising. That's not just goods and services, but also the price of labor. So, therefore, wages. And we we can't measure that perfectly. So, it's this theoretical um, concept that we're trying to capture through what's called the Consumer Price Index, which is Statistics Canada surveying the price of literally tens of thousands of of products and services across the country and measuring how those prices have changed. And that's how we, on a day-to-day basis, um, measure the thing that we are concerned about, which is inflation. But there are other uh, measures out there, and there are adjustments that you can make to the consumer price index to see whether or not you're capturing just random fluctuations in gasoline or some broader pressure uh, in the economy as a whole. And at least over a long span of time, uh, inflation has tended to be fairly stable. But then the pandemic uh, hit, prices actually dropped. So we had deflation for some time in 2020. And part of what we're seeing over the last few months is recovering back to that pre-pandemic uh, trend, which interestingly in July, Uh, we exceeded just a little bit. So we're now back to where we would have been,
0: plus a little bit. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. When it comes to dealing with inflation, again, time will tell whether whether these are are real meaningful trends and how concerned we should be. But if government is inclined to want to reduce inflation, Mm -hmm. we decide it's too high, we need it to be lower. You mentioned earlier central banks are very good at at dealing with this. They have tools at their disposal. Mm -hmm. When it comes to government policy, maybe that's a little trickier. I mean, government policy can affect supply and demand in certain areas. Governments can use the blunt instrument of just coming in and saying, we're going to fix prices on, on certain. Things and that has right. all kinds of consequences. What do we have at our disposal to deal with inflation?
1: So we do have a lot of tools at our disposal, and I guess I'll first note that historically, if we dial the clock back to the, the '70s, for example, so you are referencing like explicit price yes. freezes that we saw under uh, Trudeau senior and. President Nixon. I mean, that is crazy. And we would not go back to approaching inflation in that way anymore. I mean, our approach to monetary policy is a lot different Mm -hmm. now. So let's say that the government renews, whoever's reelected, renews the one to three percent mandate. How the Bank of Canada could bring inflation down into that range if uh, the the bump we're seeing over the last few months is more persistent than, than we think? Well, their tool is to increase interest rates, and that's fairly easy. So, I have full confidence in the Bank of Canada's ability to put the brakes on rising inflation. If that's the mandate, they have the tools and the will to do it. Now, that doesn't mean there's not, therefore, then consequences on businesses and individuals and government borrowing, like higher interest rates, um, squeeze budgets, for sure. And so, that's, I think, where the real concern may be. Uh, where are interest rates going, rather than where is inflation going.
0: Well, and there's, I suppose, maybe some level of irony in that, because as you say, I mean, if we're going to use higher interest rates to control inflation... Mm That means higher mortgage payments or higher, you know, automobile loan payments, all of these things that cost us more in a different way. Indeed. And
1: uh, so there are direct implications for individuals, primarily through mortgages. I mean, that's the biggest source of borrowing for most people most of the time. And that borrowing on on other things, auto loans and so on, absolutely. Uh, But then governments, you know, we took on a lot of debt, I think, defensively uh, through the pandemic. Uh, But with that elevated debt levels, higher interest rates does mean higher debt service costs for government. And so what government can do is, there there is some discussion about whether or not uh, federal spending initiatives are contributing to uh, inflation. I think, in in part, it It almost surely is in the sense that large income transfers to cushion the blow of the pandemic has allowed for the rebound in demand that we're seeing right now, and therefore some of the price pressures. There might be debates uh, going forward about how large federal stimulus ought to be. Is it warranted even? Uh, Because when the federal government increases its expenditures, it does have that pressure on prices that might induce the central bank to increase interest rates further.
0: It's a bit of a segue to something that came up on the campaign trail this week, and I guess it pertains to the cost of, of things and consumer spending. The the, the GST and mm-hmm. uh, the Conservatives putting out the idea of uh, a one-month holiday, I guess it would be the month of December. There would be no GST on any purchases made in the month of December, and I would imagine that would have all kinds of impact on consumer behavior and spending yeah, decisions, yeah. how much we spend, when we spend. What, what do you see as the impact of that? So, so that's
1: really interesting proposal they have and and part of a number of proposals in the conservative platform to target sectors that are particularly disrupted from the pandemic. So retail, uh, food services and so on being being that. So a GST holiday would be for that month basically giving a 5% discount on anything where GST is applied. That would be interesting in the sense that consumers looking to purchase durable goods, say, uh, in January or February, might move those purchases forward into December. Or if they were thinking of making those purchases in November, say, maybe may be delaying a little bit to get it into December. So There would be a lot of shifting of spending uh, into the month of December. But then in terms of just the effect on individuals' pocketbooks, well, roughly speaking, your average family spends about $180 a month on GST. And so it's a, it's a pretty, uh, it's modest but meaningful in terms of savings for, for households and may very well uh, accelerate some of the, the rebound in the retail sector. Now, it might be just temporary, concentrating it in December. But uh, I thought it was an interesting idea. And coming out of the pandemic, I think this is the type of service uh, sector-led recession and therefore service sector-led recovery that we don't typically have a lot of experience with. Usually it's manufacturing and construction that kind of leads the ups and downs of the business cycle. So here I think we have to really think out of the box, try out a few things. Um, Some might work, some might not. And I think this is how we should interpret the GST holiday.
0: All right. We'll leave it there. Always appreciate the insight, Trevor. Thanks so much for making some time for us here this morning. You bet. Take care. You as well. There you go. Trevor Toom, uh, Associate Economist at the University of Calgary, Research Fellow at the School of Public Policy at the U of C.